0: Welcome to the Pup Sports Podcast. I'm coming to you live today from Gonzaga Prep, uh, actually on location. And uh, before we get to our interview and our guest of honor today, uh, another reminder, that first day of school is coming up really fast. August 28th, next Wednesday, Uh, depending on when this comes to you, you could be already in school. Um, But if you're not, keep looking forward to that date. Uh, Another date to really look forward to for not only current students, uh, but alumni as well. Uh, This is your Save the date, Friday, October 4th. Join us on campus at Prep for our annual celebration of the Gonzaga Prep community. Uh, That is Prep Pride and now Give Day. Alumni, students, parents, grandparents, and future bullpups out there are invited to show their school spirit and enjoy free hot dogs. And not only do you get that free hot dog activities before the homecoming football game, Uh, the prep band and cheer squad will entertain the crowd with the fight song as we cheer prep football on to victory in Bullpup Stadium. Remember, October 4th, circle those calendars, be here or be square. Uh, But now, without further ado, let's shift into our guest of honor, uh, current teacher at prep, was a teacher when i came here uh mrs christopher uh formal name jen christopher but i feel back in the classroom and i feel it's most appropriate to call her mrs christopher and uh mrs christopher thank you so much for coming on the show today
1: oh thank you for having me nate it's great to see you to have seen what you've been doing with the site i'm very excited for you
0: thank you no i'm uh more than thrilled to be here and if uh, if you kind of hear a different background setting we are in Mr. Nedved's classroom, classroom 42. If you remember the numbers, we can see the football field. It's just she had said, let's meet here when I got to prep. And I immediately knew where it was. It's uh, it's something in your head that never leaves, I guess, when you walk those prep hallways. So really, really happy to be in here with you today.
1: Absolutely. I, uh, I was blessed to inherit the room from Mr. Nedved as well as Mr. Barfield, who taught in here last year. And so I feel like I'm on the shoulders of giants, and hopefully there's some good energy in here.
0: Very cool. So to kick things off today, we're going to do some rapid-fire questions. Kind of first thing that comes to your mind, uh, that we break that way we break the ice. Just like those freshmen out there That's in right. their orientation, they do icebreakers. We do them here as well. Uh, where did you go to high school, and what was your graduating year?
1: Oh. Cheney Blackhawk through and through in the late 80s. Thank you very much. All
0: right. Love that. Now, uh, where did you go to college?
1: I went to Eastern, so go Eags. Yes. Uh, stuck around. Cheney didn't intend to. That wasn't my plan. But as you and I talked off mic earlier, um, some things go in different ways. And, uh, and staying open really helped me to find my path.
0: Good. Now, uh, teachers in which I've been accustomed to be around, Coffee or soda? I know that's a big thing that mm. they go one way or the other typically. Some go both. I mean, the morning coffee and the afternoon soda. But if you had to choose between the two, what would it be?
1: Oh, it's coffee at home. Definitely. Coffee okay. At
0: home. All right. I love that homemade coffee. You're not one of those Starbucks mm-hmm. goers every day. No,
1: no. Heavens no. I am a Keurig through and through. And uh, my husband bought me a half and half frother A few months ago, it's changed my life. So I have kind of homemade lattes every day.
0: Yeah, my mom has one in which it's that separate milk frother Mm -hmm. and she thinks it makes all the difference in the world. So life-changing. She's with you. (laughs) Now, uh, as far as vernacular goes, when I moved up here to Washington, when people refer to what I call soda, they say pop.
1: Mm -mm, I'm a soda.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that we're on the same page Mm -hmm. there because that was a constant argument when I remember in fifth grade, first moved up here and it was like, what do you guys keep referring to as pop? Like, mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense. It's soda. Soda. All right. Uh, now, coming off the heels of summer, beach or lake? Lake. Okay. Lake. Now, do you have a favorite lake around the area? Priest Lake. Okay. Amen. Yeah. No, I, I've had uh, the privilege of going out there a couple times, but not as much as I've liked. Um, and I like the fact that it's a little more exclusive than if you were to go all the way out to Coeur Lake, which can be a little more crowded.
1: Maybe I shouldn't have told people about priest. <laughs> Coeur d'Alene is my favorite. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wise, wise. Love that. Now, uh, how long have you been teaching at prep?
1: I'm beginning my 13th year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Lucky 13.
0: That is. Uh, that was my football number. So I feel, oh, feel honored in, in today. Now, uh, what different subjects have you taught while you've been at prep?
1: I was hired to teach English. And then back in the day when Mrs. Sheila Kreese was here, um, she sat on my interview panel and loved that woman. I don't know what she saw in me, but she said, you know what, there is a scripture opening. I think this gal could do it. And having never taught scripture, um, but I I appreciated the, the confidence she had in me and the faith she had. And so I met with Mr. Nedved right here in this room before that school year, 2007, I think it was. And my children at the time were maybe five and six and tried to crawl out his windows. And so I was trying to hold on to his conversation and hold on to my children. And it was, uh, it was a beautiful entry into the community of prep and the subject of theology. So ever since, I've taught either or, sometimes both, and English and theology.
0: Sweet. Yeah. No, I remember I had you as an English teacher yep. and uh, the informative year, as far as junior English junior goes, where we had to write that glorious term paper. Loved that. Loved fond memories of doing Yours that. Yours was
1: sports related, as I recall.
0: Yeah, I did fan behavior. I do mm-hmm. remember that. And, you know, I remember at the time there had been a lot of stories of more East Coast related fans, if you may, that mm-hmm. had just done some unquestionable things. And so uh, yeah, no, I remember that being fun and you being really supportive of that. Now, favorite graduating class of all time, and you're going to have to get specific. Oh. You're going to be, ah, we've had a lot of good ones. We have. I'm not looking for you to say 2011, <laughs> even though pretty great class. But what is one in which sticks out to your mind that you just had a close connection with them?
1: Oh, man, I have a top three.
0: Okay, that's that's fair. We'll We'll settle.
1: That would be 2010, 2012, and 2014. Okay. It's the right. even years for a while. Yeah. We're looking really good. Good. Um, we had, oh man, I was, when I switched into this classroom, I had taken down all my student pictures and was putting them up again. And I'm looking at, and I think, they seem to like me better than, than maybe other classes too. Maybe that's why I like them so much is that they were so kind to me. But I have all these senior pictures from 2010 and 2012 and 2014 and really fond relationships that I built with those kiddos um, through retreats. Uh, so many of those kids were leaders, um, orientation leaders, retreat leaders, and it was beautiful relationships formed. And I'm so grateful that a few of those kids stay in touch. You know, I remember one thing that Joe Fern and I used to talk about was we are important to kids at this stage. They allow us to be important to them, but sometimes they go off and we don't hear from them. And there was a part of me that used to be really, I took that personally. I thought, oh, they were so sweet and they were so nice to me and I sure enjoyed them here. And then they went off and I never heard from them again. And we kind of talked through that together because it had happened to both of us. And we said, we were who they needed now. We were who they needed here. And we want them to go and flourish and not need to come back and, and get that boost per se. Um, but you kids out there, I hold you fondly. I've not forgotten you. And I, uh, I'm grateful for the time that they were here.
0: And there's nothing but truth about that statement, because when I reached out to you and we had had a nice conversation leading up to this podcast, you told me you read my, uh, letter of recommendation that you had wrote way back mm-hmm. and said you know here are the qualities i still see true and you know i I still mean every word of it and so just to hear someone go i still have a google drive of every letter of recommendation i've ever (laughs) written and i can easily go back and read them that is a testament to you are where you should be and it makes me think if you won the lottery Mm. would you still be a teacher
1: i would i would probably Volunteer for every retreat we had and helped to chaperone. Um, I would want, it's more the relationships that I built even outside the classroom, I think, that have resonated so strongly and have been the things that I carried with me. Um, I would absolutely still be involved with kids. I'd like to wake up a little later in the day, (laughs) to be honest. I'm, oh man, I hit my groove at about nine o'clock. So.
0: That's, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. you guys start school at 8 o'clock now? We,
1: we do, and that's just fine. But, <laughs> man, if we could sleep in until, if I could sleep in until 7, oh, you know, it would revolutionize my classroom.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, and I know that probably as uh, a parent now that has sent one kid yeah. off to school yeah. and also having one still here at prep, yeah. um, kids are game changer in that sleep schedule.
1: hmm <laughs> mm-hmm. absolutely.
0: <laughs> so why teach at prep?
1: Prep came into my life absolutely unexpectedly. And talk about divine intervention. I was teaching at a public school. I was teaching at my alma mater and enjoying it very much. And I loved the kids and I loved my job. But there was kind of an, uh, a dis ease. And I knew there was more and I didn't know what it was. But I kind of kept throwing applications out there to say, okay, maybe something else will hit. And I remember interviewing at a 4A school that will not be named, and I didn't get the job. And I was really disappointed, and tears are usually how I emote, and so I was crying and crying and crying, and I didn't get the job. And I remember saying, why? And I was so sad. And I finished my master's after that, and a year passed, and my friend who also teaches at that school that I had been rejected, so forcefully um she emailed me four little words she said prep has an opening and that was in may of 2007 and i googled gonzaga prep immediately because i really didn't know much about it even though i had grown up catholic um i was on the outskirts of town and didn't really know the the school and i read the mission and i looked at the faculty and i read their bios and i looked at the events And I thought this, this is a pretty special place. So I remember applying and I remember calling everyone I knew who knew anything about Gonzaga prep saying, could you please put in a word for me? And I got the interview and it, um, it felt better than any conversation I'd ever had with a group of people. And I knew as I left something very special had happened and whether or not that would bring me to prep, I knew that I had been changed because of that, that interview and those people. And I remember going home, and I remember praying specifically, Lord, if there's a kid at PrEP that needs me more than the kids where I currently taught, please help me to get there. And if there's somebody at my old school that needed me more than these kids, please help me to stay and to accept it. And I think it was a Wednesday. Father Connell, he was the principal when you were here, he right? He was, you were it? Father Connell called and offered me the job and the tears once again, just erupted, and I was so grateful to be coming to such a special place. And I hit the ground running, and I've I've never been the same.
0: No, that that is awesome. And what's weird about that is being here early in your teaching career at Prep. I had no idea. I mean, I would have looked at you and and did look at you as almost oh, Christopher. She's like she must be here, have been <laughs> here forever. So it never crossed my mind of oh no she. You know, she's just kind of getting her started yeah. prep like I am. It was more you came in and it, you looked like a seasoned 10-year <laughs> prep vet. So I commend like you it. for that. It yeah. felt like it. Thank you. Uh, when you first started out at as a teacher at prep, what was the strength you felt you brought in the beginning as a, as a teacher here?
1: I think what felt so comfortable here was that community piece. And I know people get so tired of hearing that word, or at least they hear it a lot and think, oh, and maybe it doesn't mean as much, but man, I felt very good about my ability to build community in my classroom. It was all about relationship where I taught at my old school and about building relationships here, and what resonated with me is there's every single teacher feels the same way. It's about making your kids feel welcome and safe and prepared to learn, and that's what I felt like I was able to add Um, and it wasn't a new thing here at all. It was very welcomed, um, and, and an expected
0: trait. Do you think as far as a teacher goes and building a relationship with kids and getting involved in the community, is there importance to be not only involved in, but outside the classroom as well, whether you're a coach or you're involved in an organization?
1: That's where you learn who kids are and that's where they get to learn who you are. So, um, 100% outside the classroom is where that happens. One of the gifts of prep is, is the retreat program. And so to be able to watch kids grow through that program in ways that they're far more vulnerable than they would be in the classroom. Um, that's what breaks down the walls.
0: Yeah. Now, did you, did you coach early in your tenure prep?
1: I did. I did. So I helped out with the track program early on as just an assistant. And I grew up, Participating in track and enjoying track. I even coached a little middle school track when I was in college So that was a lot of fun. And then an opening came in 2009 I think and my husband and I met playing volleyball had played together for years and had had a passion for it had coached together before and Decided we'd give it a shot here as well.
0: Yeah now As far as community service goes, because you've mentioned that, and you've also mentioned the retreats that that each student goes on, and even teachers have the liberty of going on some of them. How how important is community service in shaping a student beyond PrEP and being successful beyond PrEP?
1: We prepare that whole person, um, and we prepare kids for living grace-filled lives outside the walls of PrEP. And I don't think a person can be complete without giving back in ways that they're passionate about. Um, So I think PrEP does a beautiful job of offering opportunities for Christian service that aren't obligatory. And, well, you have to do this because you go to PrEP. It's where do you find your passion and how can you give back in that vein? And kids light up when they find their passion and go and serve that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What a, What qualities do you see in, in student athletes specifically? Not to say that every student here doesn't matter a prep, but when they're involved not only in the classroom but outside the classroom in athletics, what qualities do you see inside students?
1: Oh, man, I don't care if you're a freshman B player on some team that you just started or you're the varsity athlete that shines in every game. Um, the selflessness is what I see in student-athletes. They get that it's bigger than themselves. Um, Even if they, even if kids play an individual sport, they recognize that there's a a team element that far surpasses anything they could do on their own.
0: Yeah. So how would you say school competition and athletics adds to the spirit of a school's uh, population?
1: Success helps. Yeah. Um, so thanks basketball <laughs> and football and all of those sports that are bringing kids in it, the, it energizes a school. Um, it, it definitely adds an authentic community element and it is a natural way for kids to rally. Um, but the beauty of prep is we, we bring home trophies for debate and we bring home trophies for knowledge bowl and chess club and kids, passionate about all of their activities and that adds to the community and energizes all the people that get to hear about it and uh, bowling bowling is new I don't know if you knew that we had that now
0: no I just actually did hear of that when speaking with Karina off mic but she had mentioned that and that we've had some actual good success pretty big deal and uh, (laughs) yeah she even said that there's a a bowler that will be a senior this year Mm -hmm. that I could reach out to and say he would be a good interview and kind of insight into the sport that is bowling.
1: Well, and then kind of the non-traditional sports, spike ball, cornhole. The kids are getting, the kids are really widening their, broadening their their uh, forte. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Uh, how would you say student athletics um, are viewed by the general student population? Meaning, do they talk about going to the games leading up to, you know, a, a Friday night for football or, you know, basketball or any of the other sports Um, Do they talk about that? Is that active a part of their vernacular in the hallways in the classroom?
1: I think so. I think so. It it definitely is kind of the event to attend, but at the same time, kids are not shunned if, if that's not their bag. And so what's great is kids find where they fit. They don't always know where they fit as they walk in the door for freshman orientation, but through assistance, by our counseling departments and teachers and all those kids with various interests, they find their, their place. But athletics is definitely still a, a big part of it.
0: You probably get a lot of students that come in and have a good relationship with you, of course, over the, the four years that they're here. Can you recall a story in which a student came to you, whether it be a club event, whether it be just competition outside of maybe athletics, or even in, in, an athletic story where you had gotten close with that student, and you were just blown away by, "Hey, I won this, or you know, accomplished this. I came from nothing, didn't know anything about it." And I was just curious what you could add to that.
1: Hmm. Yeah, you know, there, there are always a, a few kids that stand out for the transformation that they undertake, and I don't know if how that that would be to use some of those names, but yeah, I remember a female athlete in particular who was kind of a lost girl and didn't necessarily make the, the best choices in who she dated and didn't make the best choices in the classroom and just kind of sputtered from time to time, came from a, a great family that believed in her and you can kind of see within her, Oh, sweetie, there's, there's so much more for you. There's so much more for you. And she worked with me in some retreat programs and, I kept finding that I just wanted to reach out to this girl and keep reminding her, you have incredible dignity and worth. And to see her now, um, a professional, married to a wonderful young man, the belief in herself, the confidence, she carries herself differently, um, that kind of investment when I watched who this girl had, had started out to become and to watch her transformation. It is not to say at all that I was the reason for that, but I I played a part in her village and she had a community around her that knew she was destined for more than she was showing at the time. And those are always beautiful moments. And then I I remember one kiddo in particular too, who (laughs) was kind of a knucklehead from time to time, but I... Saw a passion that he had for something and if I tell you what that passion's for then he'll know who I'm talking about And so I don't want to tell you what it was But I said well here. Why don't you use that passion in the classroom and? That can be kind of your thing and he was like, yeah, okay This is great and he used the hobby that he had as part of his passion in the classroom and it It uh, bonded us in in really beautiful ways
0: and that's really cool and I think that that was where I was leading that Whatever you may be involved in at prep, it can be that driving focus for you in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So it can be that extra motivation that, hey, when you come to school, there's a certain level of expectation of what you need to get done inside the classroom. Right. But it allows you to do so much more. And I think that that's really cool to hear and really should be a, hopefully a voice of encouragement to a lot of people as they get to prep, get involved, whatever it may mm-hmm. be because that's only going to help you in the classroom it's only going to help you build a relationship with a teacher a coach it's only going to help you if you're to write a paper or something that you need to relate whatever you're struggling with right to that sport or club that that helps you in essence make it click and i think that's really cool i mean that's a that's a great story now as far as colleague and professional relationships that you've had at prep Who are some colleagues in which you've been close with since your time and, you know, 13 years ago at PrEP?
1: Everyone welcomed me. You know, Nate, you said how you thought I'd always been here um, when when you had me in class. That's the way every single person at PrEP made me feel. So this idea of, oh, everybody's your favorite, they are because they welcomed me like I had been with them my whole career. But then I'm drawn to really strong passionate, engaging people. And so Joe Fern was one of the first and Taryn League and, um, Joelle trainer. I don't, was she here when you were here? No, but
0: the trainer name, I know Dr. Trainer had passed away when my brother uh, was coming to prep.
1: Okay. Um, the, her, her whole mantra is kindness and love. And she's like the Tasmanian devil of kindness and love. It's kind of an oxymoron, but (laughs) she So many of the of the women who teach here and so many of the men embody what I want to be in an educator, which is dedicated and knowledgeable and relatable and creative. So I'm I'm in a good place.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you brought up Joe Fern and I had a great conversation with Karina Kelsey and what Joe meant to her. Mm -hmm. And I want to phrase a similar question that I phrased to her that I'll give you what she said. She said commitment would be one word to describe Joe Fern. To you, though, what would be one word and what you would use to describe him?
1: Boy, she took a good one. <laughs> devoted. Absolutely devoted to every parent, student, athlete, colleague. That man was devoted.
0: Yeah, and and you, you used the word when I remember getting in touch with you, he was a brother to me. And yeah. it, it's it's something to be said that obviously as we grow in life and we get married and we have a spouse, there will be always a place and a different love mm-hmm. that you have for a sibling or someone that has more of that familial relationship to you or provides that, that big brother feel. And it's just so interesting to hear you use the word brother because... I think a lot of people can relate to that that have siblings. Mm-hmm. That There's not even a, another word that you need to use. Brother says mm-hmm. it all. And I think that that is extremely, extremely cool that you could work somewhere yeah. and have someone that you could say was a brother to me.
1: He would chuckle that you said like a big brother because I was older. So <laughs> he liked to point that out, which is, again, something that a sibling would do. Uh, So thanks for that.
0: (laughs) That is, uh, that's, that's too good. Now, I love stories and I think a lot of people out there love stories. Tell me about a story when I say Joe Fern, that's one that comes to mind for you.
1: When I think of him, I, I light up and laugh. He and I did a lot of the orientation training, a lot of the link crew prep together and there was one, I think it was probably for one of our events, uh, Palooza is what I think we would call it. Six weeks into school, the link leaders would get together with the freshmen after school and just play together. And there, I don't remember the activity in particular, but I know it involved balloons and it involved lots of balloons. So I know it was the fall because this was before our gyms had air conditioning. It was very hot. Oh, yeah. I remember that. So we had the monster fan that just... And it just echoes everywhere. We had the monster fan stored in the corner office between what was the old gym and the new gym. Do you remember this office? Yes. Okay. It's kind of where the scorekeeping stuff yeah, is Yeah, no and I
0: remember... And I think uh, McIntyre used to kind of... Oh, totally. ...hold court a little bit in there. Probably,
1: probably. If I don't know if it was soundproof, but... <laughs> Uh, Gosh, lost and found would show up in there. Anyway, we knew working with freshmen, if we let them keep the balloons once the activity was over, all balloon hell would break loose. So one of our instructions to our leaders was take all of those balloons and put them in this office and then close the door. And so hundreds of balloons were in this office with the giant fan, and we were getting ready to clean up after the event was over. And I can't find Joe. And so I'm asking the link leaders, have you guys seen Mr. Fern? Have you seen Mr. Fern? And he said, I think he's in the corner office. So I go, and there's a window there. He has shut the door, plugged in the fan, and turned it on. And balloons are <laughs> everywhere. And he's got the biggest grin on his face of like maybe you'd imagine like a five-year-old boy in this <laughs> office with all these balloons. And he's kind of mouthing to me and pointing at the balloons. He's like, do you see? Do you see? <laughs> Isn't this the best? And so his playful nature comes back to me all the time. All the time.
0: Oh, man. That's just weird. As you describe that story, it's so weird how I can see him smiling, mm-hmm. him mouthing those words, <laughs> just that whole encounter. It's one in which I can perfectly envision, and you did a great job ex- uh, explaining it. He he also struck me as a guy that I, I always remember at, as he moved to my guidance counselor. Mm-hmm. When you'd get that golden ticket while you were in class <laughs> that said, you know, Fern would like to see you type of thing. And, you know, come now or come in like 10 minutes. It was great. I get to go sit down with Mr. Fern. Mm-hmm. This is awesome. I wonder what he's, you know, calling me down for. It was never really, I mean, because I was never in, in that position where, uh-oh, did I do something wrong? Am I in trouble? It was more so... He had the opportunity to sit down and just ask, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Now, as I've transitioned, I did spend some time teaching. There are certain teachers that when they pop their head into your room where you're like, hey, can you just get out of here? <laughs> like you are distracting kids in here. Right. Um, but then there are others that you're like, come on in. Like, you know, hey, you guys know Mr. Fern, right? Or, you know, what do you need type of thing? Was he that type of teacher to you where it was just like? Yeah, no no worries. Come on in.
1: Absolutely. Every time he would pop in, I think maybe my words were more, come in, distract the kids. <laughs> one of the things that made him so much like a brother to me was the banter and our ability to play with words with one another and tease one another. And I remember every time I would call him on the on the phone for some reason, he would always answer Bob's Burger Barn. And then <laughs> I wouldn't let it go. So I'd place an order and... He'd, you know, so did you want extra pickles this time? Extra pickles, hold the onions. And we would, it would keep going. And kids would, I'd be in my classroom talking to him about hamburgers. And the kids would be looking at me like, I thought you had to call Mr. Fern. (laughs) So they kind of got used to that. And then he'd come down. Um, I remember a very nice 40th birthday party that one of my favorite classes threw for me. (laughs) And... So the kids had to shoo me out of the room, so they had me go down to Mr. Fern's office. This is probably not code, but <laughs> they brought out this cake that, of course, had a pumpkin on it or something and put 40 candles in it and lit it on fire, and the smoke was going everywhere, and so he escorted me back to my classroom. and had to blow that out quickly so that I didn't get in any greater trouble, um, but he, he was a regular visitor to my classroom and an, always a welcome one.
0: Yeah, and I think that he had a a unique ability to, no matter what sport you played or what kind of kid you were, what club you were Mm -hmm. involved, he really did see you in the same light and through the same lens. It was, oh, you're a football guy, and I'm going to treat you a certain way. It was, you are who you are, and I'll embrace that, whatever it is. And he was able to have a conversation with you, and that's what's usually so rare, where if someone's to say, oh, I play soccer, and you're like, I never played, have no idea what that sport is about. Um, I, I'm trying to think of who the coach is, and I can't even think of that much. He had the ability to know all that kind of back background mm-hmm. information, and then at the same time, stuff that he had picked up on just being around the community because he was a guy that stayed around until 5.30, 6 o'clock every night. It wasn't the 3.30 peeling out of the parking lot, let me get out of here. It was very involved both during school and after school, and that was just unique to where everyone that probably had him as a guidance counselor would attest to the same thing, where he knew everything about them. And I think Karina shared something that I thought was really cool, and now after her saying it, I remember. She told me he used to come in early, get his like busy work and really cumbersome work done so he would have the day to be around, pop into classrooms, have kids come down, ask kids, yeah. how are you doing? No, how are you really doing? And how valuable that was to a level of commitment that someone could have in in their job. They treated their job as if they really loved what they did.
1: Mm-hmm. That was That was Joe through and through. But there was still that playful element to him that is such a, Such a unique quality. So he'd bring kids down and talk about whatever their struggles were or whatever their joys were in, I mean, he, he was captivating and they had his full attention. Um, But the playfulness that I will never forget is, um, occasionally he had these rubber mice, maybe it was a rat and he would stick them on his ceiling so people never really knew they were there. I mean, they were maybe an inch long. And so here he is with a kid having this really deep and meaningful conversation about life. And the <laughs> mice would just fall randomly. <laughs> and he'd, he'd pick, up, pick it up and just hold it and then look the kid right in the eyes. And he had this nod that he used to do. And he might have done that with you. Or he's like, yeah, hmm uh-huh. <laughs> tell me more, tell me more. And he'd just hold on to the mouse. And so I don't know anyone who could ever be that or has ever been that he fit such a such a unique role at prep and yeah I think I think kids remember that part of him that man he was committed to them and he also brought his personality to every encounter
0: when I think about what I would say to Joe if he were here today or I had an opportunity to just have one more conversation with him and I think it's natural it's to me, it feels therapeutic to be able to think about that and express it, of what I would say to him. And I had the privilege of sitting down with McKenna and kind of being able to express, Coach, here's what you did for me and here's where I've gone, and I finally have this mature ability to come back and share with you. It did mean a lot what you did for me, but I, at the time, being 18, I, I don't know if I fully expressed that to you. And I never got that opportunity with Joe that if he were here and I, I could say one more thing to him, it would just be, when you told me it was the easiest letter of recommendation you ever wrote, it was, it's, something that it's just a simple sentence to you that you may have said that to other students, but it stuck with me to think someone that has no relation to me not family, not inclined to have to say a good thing about you. Says, you are a great kid, and I stand by that. I'm willing to put that in ink, and then just be able to say, that helped influence me to where I am today, where I could always look back and say, hey, even since I was in high school, I had a relative positive effect on people I had encounters with, and you did that for me, and I know that it's cliche to say i just want to want to say thank you i mean yes obviously i miss him and i'd want to tell him i miss you but it's more i want you to know that mm-hmm. and that your legacy lives on and will always live on i'll never forget it and so and then that's the thing too just the last part of it is even if you were still here you were still a guidance counselor at prep that's all i would want you to know mm-hmm. i wouldn't be coming to you and saying Now I need this from you. It would just be, man, I wanted one last opportunity just to say that to you. And I never did so that I see frustrating, but you having such a deeper relationship and one that's been formative throughout your life. Mm. Is there one thing that you would hope you could say to him?
1: I talk to him all the time. I, you know, and that's what I would say to you, Nate, tell him, I mean, he, he's not going anywhere. Um, he he's all around us in hopefully a much more liberated state and um, the beauty of Joe that just doesn't go
0: away yeah it gives me chills just you know hearing the level of emotion from you and just knowing I mean it, you don't even have to say it that I can feel what he meant to you and there's no words to describe that. I mean, it's just only if you've been through a certain experience in your life like that. Um,
1: oh, he was a gift. He was a gift to all of us. And that, I think, is one of his unique abilities. He made every single person he had a relationship with feel like he or she was the most important f- person in his life. And we all knew. We all knew. And he didn't even have to say it. He said it a lot, but he didn't have to. We all knew where Angie and the boys were. You know, that that's those were his people. Those were his, his family. And his devotion was utmost to those, those people. But man, we felt like a really close second.
0: Yeah. Now that familiar relationship that, that brother, he was to you. How do you continue or how is your relationship with uh, Angie and his sons?
1: They're such incredible and beautiful people. We have such a fortune of having Angie on our staff, and so I get the privilege of seeing her quite often, and I look forward to that relationship growing even even closer. Um, she, I remember Joe telling me early on when we were just starting to learn about each other's families, telling me about this amazing, beautiful, kind, smart as a whip, devoted person that he got the privilege to be married to and I remember thinking well what a you know what a wonderful thing that a husband says about his wife because all husbands should say that and mine (laughs) mine does too I hope and and I just remember thinking yeah of course he's gonna say that he's married to her of course he's and then I met her and I was like man he he hit the nail on the head she is a remarkable woman with grace that I can't even put into words And so I'm, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to know her. And those boys, I had the gift of having Adam in class last year. And I'm hopeful to get to know Colin here in the next couple of years. They're testaments to their parents. They are wonderful boys who will become strong and capable and compassionate men. Um, Joe, Joe did an incredible job as a father while he was here. And and Angie will continue the legacy.
0: Now it's tough to say that you could think of something you would be able to say to a kid, something to make them feel okay by just one sentence or two sentences that you string together. But if you are to speak to a kid that had a a good relationship with Mr. Fern and will miss him, what's something that you would say to them to continue to evolve and cope and 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 just not move on but not not let it hinder anything that they're looking forward to doing or being who they are
1: it would be to keep talking to him it would be to keep a relationship with him um, to keep a relationship with anyone you've lost in that in that way if we were meant for this earth and this earth only I what a horrible horrible life that would be and so hopeless. And so we're all going to hang again, and we'll see him again. And and I don't mean that to be cliche at all. It's when we when we continue to keep people alive in the way we interact, and in the way in our thoughts and in our prayers for them. Um, there's there's hope, and there is light, and it it does help us to move forward. And if we keep. If we don't cut the cord um, and and we know that we'll be reunited someday, um, I feel like that's going to carry us. I miss them like crazy. I know I know our entire community misses them like crazy, but it's not over.
0: Yeah, and and I think that it's important to not shut down. Yeah. Don't embody all your feelings and not express it. And I would say this too look to the people that embody who he is or mm-hmm. was and gravitate and let that person know, I really enjoy my relationship with you or I talk to you and you're really easy to talk to because you you remind me of this about Mr. Fern. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really healthy because of the fact that you shift those great qualities and you don't set this level of expectation that no one's going to be Mr. Fern, which no one obviously right. is going to be him. But if they can carry a piece of who he was and you can channel that and say, this is why I come to you and this is why I feel so close to you and why I can talk to you, that's really good. So it could be anyone. It could be Mm -hmm. one of your current friends that you're going to Mm -hmm. school with right now. Or it could be a teacher, a couple of teachers. Don't limit it to just one person. No, beautifully said. Take pieces of everybody. And that's how I think where it's truly healthy to know his legacy lives on and will continue to live on because you're going to put a piece of Mr. Fern in everyone that you meet or everyone you get close with.
1: That's beautifully said.
0: So I think that that is really good. And I I look forward to being around the prep community more. Um, Now after being absent for about six years, it was weird walking down the hallway to get to uh, this room and hearing uh, Angie Fern is in, in that room and she's at the front desk and all of that to where that Fern name lives on. That mm-hmm. though Joe may be gone, I still get to hear that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the joy I love and not having that last interaction I wanted with him, I still get to hear the name to feel like not only do I feel a, a, a spirit of Joe that's still around the school, mm-hmm. the, you know, a bit of him is still here, his boys his wife. Perfect. That's enough for me to where that just gives me that feeling of it's okay. Yeah, it really is. And, and that that's a good advice for just to keep talking to him. And I, I, I like that. I really do. Um, so as, uh, as we close here, and you look toward your next year, um, just give me something you're looking forward to come August 28th, day one. What's something you look forward to on the first day of school?
1: Seeing all those faces. So walking the halls today and seeing kids, hey, Mrs. Christopher, hey, Mrs. Christopher, and getting those hugs. I told my husband years ago, I enjoy my summer. But man, come August, I'm ready to be Mrs. Christopher again instead of mom or Jen. Um, Let me be Mrs. Christopher. It's a it's a beautiful thing. So I can't wait to see all my kids.
0: Yeah. Oh. I, I, and that's the, that's probably the last bit that uh, I do miss. I mean, the the school I just taught at last year actually started uh, on Tuesday of this past week and, um, you know, get messages from them of, we'll fly you back, come back <laughs> here, and we miss you. And, you know, it's just not the same, and it's really nice to hear. Um, but it's really nice to also look at them and tell them it it's day one, and life is going to go on. <laughs> but I'm still here. Even though I may not be physically at the school, you can, you know, the beauty of technology nowadays, you can shoot me a message, shoot me an email. If you need help on your math homework, I'm still here. Yep. I just may not be physically present for you in the moment. So I think that where I would say you probably never stop being a teacher or having a relationship with some of the kids that you do see, cause you want to see them succeed. Cause you mm-hmm. feel like, Maybe you had a piece of their life that they'll look back upon. So thank you so much for sharing your story as far as your time here at PrEP, which have been, man, a fast 13 years. (laughs) It has. To where I look at it and think that, man, I I thought it was, you know, just yesterday I was here Mm -hmm. and seeing, you know, you here in English class to where you've been 13 years a, a part of this community. And, and just really cool to hear, too, that your daughter's going on to great things. Your you know youngest daughter finishing up here at prep, and you just sending your daughter off to mm-hmm. uh, Grand Canyon University, right? Yep, lopes up. So very cool. No, I look forward to uh, reaching out to you again and, and, and checking in and Thank just you. seeing you in the hallways. And now, you know, you've given me little things that um, levels of uh, uh, a a comedic routine I can maybe have with you to where, yeah, I feel like you're opening the door that it's like, oh, that would be so fun. Cause I can, I can remember doing that, that kind of stuff to okay. You know, my parents or my, my sister-in-law, she used to work the front desk at my parents' physical therapy clinic and we would all take turns calling the phone and pretending <laughs> like we were a fake patient and, you know, giving her name like Jim shorts and seeing how far <laughs> we could get her to Putting it into the scheduling, <laughs> scheduling in a by so, James? <laughs> <laughs> so I really do look forward to yeah. that. And I really do thank you for, for being with me today.
1: Well, Nate, you are what we want kids to go off and, and do. We want you to follow your passions and your heart and keep our community close and go spread your wings. So um, it's been a joy. I told you last week that I had looked at what I wrote and it is, it's all true. And I remember specifically you coming for your help on your junior thesis, repeatedly, until you got the A you wanted, and you, you just never gave up, you never quit. And I, I admire your perseverance, and I see only wonderful things that can, will continue for you. So God bless you, and thanks for sitting down with me today.
0: Absolutely. Uh, now, that was Jen Christopher, or as you know her as a current student, Mrs. Christopher, and right in that August timeframe where she goes back to that title. And uh, my name is Nathan Alford, as you guys have well uh, learned over the past couple episodes. And please continue to reach out uh, to the show with questions you may have, uh, possible interviews for us of someone else to sit down with. We want to grow this. We want to give you what you want. And we want it to be all-encompassing. This isn't your good old boys po- uh, podcast as far as old-timers that have, have played uh, prep sports and are just male athletes. We welcome anyone that has had involvement in the prep community so please get in touch with the program uh, like our facebook page uh you know email me text me whatever you feel most, most comfortable with uh, we want to grow this to to fit what you want in a podcast and uh, we thank you so far go pups